This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is also brought to you by Vidyard, the best platform for creating, managing, and optimizing your video content marketing. And the show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. The hosts of the show are Randy Frisch and Tyler Lessard. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. Now, here's Randy, Tyler, and this week's special guest. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros Podcast. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip, and as always, I've got Tyler Lessard joining me from Vidyard. And beyond, on behalf of Convince and Convert, we have a great guest today who's really leading the charge in ABM. If you don't know about ABM, it's all about account-based marketing, and they've kind of coined the term flipping the funnel, which has been a great campaign on its own. I know both you and I, Tyler, have had a lot of fun following this one. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Sangram Vajri, who we have here with us today, uh, CMO at, at Terminus, um, I think actually comes from a really interesting background. And, and I, I love this story. Maybe we can peel it back a little bit, um, Sangram. But, uh, you know, to, uh, going back a few years, you ran marketing at Pardot, which was then, you know, acquired by Salesforce and, and brought into that organization as a marketing automation platform, which was largely centered around um, inbound marketing and email marketing. And uh, I find it super interesting that from there, you went off and um, took on this challenge at Terminus to develop this new category of account-based marketing where it's, uh, to me, a different mindset. And, and it's much more about how we go out and engage the key accounts we want to attract instead of relying on you know volumes and, and quantity of inbound leads. So maybe I'll turn it over to you to quickly introduce yourself and, and give your perspective on, on that journey. Sure, guys. And thank you so much for having me. So as Tyler and, and Randy said, I'm the co-founder CMO at Terminus. Um, and before this, when I was at Pardot running marketing, I think one of the challenges I faced, and I feel like every single marketing organization faces, but maybe they don't, uh, maybe, maybe they don't vocalize it as much, was was the whole idea around attribution. Like, hey, which, how do I get credit for my work? And those that word, that phrase really was like annoying me a lot. Like candidly, I went ahead and hired like, I think four or five interns to come in and say, you know, guys, your job is to, all you really need to do all day long is to prove that marketing is, is doing their job. Uh, and, and, that, and that was really bad, right? If you think about it, is that you're, you're really trying to you know, watch your back uh, almost to, and, and show that you are important as opposed to focusing on the most important thing, which is driving the business. And I think all marketers at some point or not have fallen into this trap of like just showing attribution and spending more time than it deserves to prove that what they do works. So for me at Pardot, it wasn't about Pardot, it was just about where marketing was stuck um, in, in general. They were all about leads. Uh, we, we are all about leads and, and that really led me to think that they gotta be a, a better way. So thinking kind of fast forwarding it, um, I was at a at a conference uh, that Scott Brinker does at Martech, 
and uh you know it was him and then jill raleigh was speaking there and i was like wait a minute this is awesome this is a martech conference and jill who is a queen of social selling is speaking at that conference which means that sales is involved um, and like why would sales be involved at the martech conference it just blew my mind so on a flight back from san francisco to atlanta and you guys know this part which is like you know, I was just kind of playing with the with with the with my uh, with my napkin and and trying to draw a funnel and flipped it and and that's how flip my funnel was born. But it really came down to to answer your question at the deepest level. It came down from a frustration that as a marketer, I believe our role is to really focus on driving the business forward, creating narratives that will make people emotionally charged about what they're about to buy or get into and engage with really enables sales and product marketing and customer success organizations to show that your brand actually has a life and it's not just selling buildings and robots there. Like your job is really much bigger than just trying to show that you can drive up, uh, drum up some leads. At the end yeah, of the it's, it's funny you say that and I, I absolutely agree with, um, with, with what you're saying here because we've had this conversation recently where I feel the challenge with those folks tasked with tracking and reporting, to your point, is more about justifying the spend and trying to um, validate the ROI as opposed to really what you know operations and analytics should be, which is understanding what's working, what's not, so you can continuously optimize. Right. And that's uh, that's been a frustration of mine as well when I hear people, you know, taking really that validation centric approach to, you know, understanding what's working as opposed to, you know, actually what we're trying to do here is drive continuous improvement to make sure that we are hitting different goals. So there's a couple different ways that I'm seeing people start to do that. But I love your your perspective as we talk about this of um, what as we move into this world, what are the things that you're thinking about in terms of, uh, you know, really tactical, the goal you're trying to achieve if it's not quantity of leads in that old world or justifying you know dollar in dollar out what are you thinking about and what are you driving towards as your big north star as a marketing leader that's a great question and it's it's a constant conversation and you know just to back up uh, for a second i think the whole reason marketers are driven by leads is, i think it all starts with boards that are you know driven by excel spreadsheets and ceos that are looking at sales and marketing as a machine uh, and as i co-founded a company i recognized that oh my goodness there is a sales and marketing it's it's a one line item it's not two different line items so i recognize that no matter how much marketing wants to be kind of differentiated and say that hey this is marketing is separate no you at the end of the day the board the executive team and the overall like the CFO they're all looking at sales and marketing efficiency as single metric and that drives the health of the business so there is the there's a big reason that I think nobody takes took the time to explain that to me before so I learned that the hard way but the answer to your question more broadly I think the the part that I'm really getting excited about is like, you know, okay, if you're not going to have form fills and leads as a primary indicator of success for marketing, then what is it? And I've started to kind of noodle around this thought. It really started from Peter Herbert, who was the VP of marketing at version one and now at Terminus, and then Kristen Wendell, who worked with him over there and now at LinkedIn, um, is the idea like, that the form fills instead of focusing on them engagement is the new form fill so the point there is 
if I can prove and if I can, if I have to spend time proving something, I'll rather prove that the accounts that matter to us the most are engaging with us and that's where we need to focus on. If I can, if I can prove that every single day, I think I'll have a winning conversation with the executive team uh, and the board. So as an example, let's say there are 50 accounts sitting in your, uh, in, in your pipeline and they all are right now handled by your sales team. And as a marketer, if you could come in and say that, you know what, of these 50 accounts that we think that are going to close in the next 60 days, um, I think only 10 of them are going to close because based on the engagement of these accounts, I can see only 10 of them are engaged. So the rest of the 40 accounts, no matter how much we want them to close, they're not going to close because the reality is if they're not spending time with you uh, on your website, through on your content, reading your content or uh, with your salesperson or with your executive team, the chances of them closing is is pretty slim. So engagement is the new form fill and I'm, I'm trying to drive this point internally as well as externally is that we need to get better and better at measuring engagement. That's really interesting. It's it's drives me to a conversation I was having with our VP of marketing and our VP of revenue this week where we were kind of debating, as you put it, what's the role of sales and what's the role of marketing kind of in this new generation of ABM marketing. And we're moving away from that inbound mindset where we have to just give warm leads. And to a degree, our, our sales leader was saying, you know, just give us the contacts, give us the accounts. But our marketing leader was saying, you know, it, it's still on us to make sure that we warm them up for you. Like we don't want to just give you accounts and tell you best of luck. We still want to find ways, as you're putting it, Sangram, to, to create that engagement. And, and, and I think that's the key is how are we going to do that? And maybe you can give us, you know, two or three examples of ways that your team is warming up these contacts and accounts for your sales team. Yeah, absolutely. Love to. And, you know, I'm going to give a shout out to a ton of vendors uh, in this process because we and one thing I realized also, and I'm, I'm sure you guys are seeing this in the space, is that even as a startup company, and we did some some research a little bit earlier um, at Terminus. We we found that on an average, there are about 20 tools that an average marketing organization uses, regardless of the size of the company. So it might be a startup company that started just a couple of years ago to a big company like McCasson. Like at a minimum, they're using about 20 different tools. So this is this is and the whole point. The reason I brought that up is because. You have to have certain amount of tools in order to, to do some of these things. It's not going to happen without that. And, and the good news is that there are some interesting tools out there. So, for example, um, you know, we used EverString and Bombara. Those are the two things that we use to identify the accounts that are best fit. Now, that meaning that we have a certain criteria of which type of accounts we want to go after, they will give us the list of accounts that actually fit that criteria. So to your point, Randy, we, as a sales and marketing team, we now know who, uh, which accounts we want to go after. And let's say they are like these 500 accounts that are gold. We know that if we can get our foot in the door, that will be awesome for us. So we use them to kind of get that information. Then our SDR team uses, you know, Vidyard. 
for example, and what they do is say they will create personalized videos and say it and, and, and send a video to uh, the prospect saying, let's say they're trying to prospect McCasson. They will say, hey, so-and-so at McCasson, I just looked at your website. I know what you guys do, uh, and I think our solution is going to be really helpful for this type of reasons, right? So it's a very personalized, not, not a cold email uh, sending out like, can you give me 15 minutes of your time? Next time I get that email, I'm going to just like blow up. But anyway, like it's really personalized that that really drives the conversation. And then they're running like terminus ads and stuff like that to kind of warm up, warm them up. But at the same time, what they do is saying, hey, and if you are not interested right now, and if you just want to check out like what we do and where it is, here is an Uber Flip stream that we have created on our website. That is, and obviously they don't they don't say Uber Flip stream. They say here's here's a link that is I created specially for you so that you can see all the articles related to healthcare. Now that's compelling, right? Even if you're not interested in the solution, you're gonna go check out like what did you do personally for customizing something for me, and and we use Uber Flip for that. So just in that example, you could see that I talked about Bombara, EverString, Terminus, Vidyard, um, you know, Uberflip, and, and marketing automation platform or sales slot, Cadence tool. You're using like seven, eight tools right now just to make sure that you are able to engage with that one person or a set of people in that company. And now, because of all of these activities, you're driving them back to our website and certain pages on the website, through a stream or through a page or landing page, whatever that might be, I can now measure and see which of these accounts are actually spending time with me. And that becomes the gold mine. Like if I can say of the 50 emails I send out with personalized um, videos, and if 10 of them actually came to my website after that video and spent time, I now know what is my priority list to go aggressively um, for those 10 accounts as opposed to all the 50 accounts. So just a very specific question, just to make sure everyone listening to this podcast understands, because you're talking about all these different solutions that are giving you the insights on the engagement. Where are you tracking that or where do you see a lot of the customers that you work with and talk to on a day-to-day? Where do they aggregate all that information? Is that happening in their marketing automation suite? It's, it's hop, happening in multiple places and I don't think there is a single solution today that actually does this well because we all have been tracking uh, more of the activity. We have been a very activity-centric uh, mindset like, hey, you know, how many people attended a webinar? How many people came to an event? And how many people downloaded my ebook? So all of these are activities. So all the platforms out there today more or less track activities to a very good degree. But the, the point is if somebody downloaded an ebook, um, how many times, like, either if you, and if they never read it, like, you have, so we, we all know, we have done it, I have done it, where I went out, downloaded an ebook, but never read it. And it's unfortunate, I'm a marketer, it's probably a colossal sin that I did by doing that, but I've done it, where I've downloaded something and I never read it. So, is, am I really interested in it? Have I, if, if I haven't spent time with it, what's the point? So activity-centric measurement is not giving a whole bit of insight. So I don't think there's a tool that does all of these things, especially engagement being a very new thing, I think, for marketers to kind of wrap their brain around. But at a highest level, Google Analytics can give you insights into those accounts are spending time. Terminus does that by giving visitor ID, so it will tell you which accounts are spending more time on your website. 
um, especially through this thing. I know video art does that from like how much time people are spending on videos. So, so you can get those metrics, but I think there, this is the new wave that I'm seeing coming out there is we got to know if what we create is valuable. And the way you're going to know what we create is valuable is not by seeing number of clicks and downloads, but by seeing how much time people are spending watching them or reading them. It's it's really it's a great point and it's so logical. I think sometimes we overcomplicate the way to measure things. And as you're saying, the best way to do it is just to watch whether that time is increasing. Now, it, it also brings up a, an interesting question, which is who should be monitoring that? Is it the marketing team or is it the sales rep who's engaging with that opportunity at that stage? So I'd like to dig deeper into that and just ownership of marketing or sales. But before we do that, we just talked about so many great solutions out there that it's actually a nice segue to hear from some of our other sponsors of this podcast. We'll take a short break here on Content Pros and be right back with Sangram. Hey, Zoe. Hey Kelly, do you know what I love? Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, him, but also Netflix and how it always shows me what I'll love, aka all the murder mysteries. Ooh, or documentaries about puppies. I wish there was a way to do that with B2B content. Well, hold on to your pants. So you know Uberflip, it lets you create a better content journey for your readers. So I can let my readers binge my content while my sales team also sends it out to prospects? You sure can. Amazing, how do I get it? Just head over to uberflip.com and request a demo. Welcome back to Content Pros. Today we have Sangram Vajri talking about a really interesting topic, the move from activity-centric uh, audience engagement and tracking to an engagement-centric world where we're really trying to understand who's spending time with us, who's engaging in our content, who's engaging with our sales team, and how does that direct us in the right way uh, as a marketing and sales organization. Um, so Sangram, let's talk a little bit about what we left off with. Who is it in the organization that needs to be thinking about engagement data? Is it the marketing team? Is it the sales team? You know, who in a really tactical um, level should be thinking about how to track and understand who's engaging and what and what that means for the organization? That's a great question, Tyler. I think, you know, I, I th like just working very closely with sales, they have a hard job, right? I think marketers definitely, I've, I've recognized that I got to have a lot of empathy for what sales does on a regular basis. You know, in a lot of the times marketers don't realize that sales actually starts like the person who's doing the sales job, the AE or an SDR, they start at zero every single month. Every single month they start at zero. And, and that's a really hard thing, you know, to kind of go month in and month out. So the reason I kind of brought that up is because it's the same thing, it's just lack of awareness and a lot of times marketers thinking that they have all the time to come up with you know uh, uh, like campaigns and cool ideas well salesperson is like grinding it in and out every single day so as much as possible i feel like marketers should take the ownership the goal is to make sales more productive that's how i think about what marketers role is how can i make sure that as much time as possible my sales counterpart is spending time selling stuff not trying to figure out what to sell, who to sell, and where to sell, and when to sell. They, that's not their part. Like, they're good at selling. That's why we hired them. That's why they make the money they make, and that's why they work hard. Um, so I think it really, there, there are two parts of this. One is that the sales and marketing together should own the account selection so that there's a buy-in from the sales team saying that these are the accounts that we want to work on. So that has to be done together and marketing can own or lead the effort, but the sales has to 100% buy in that they are in it. And then when it comes to like 
what are what's happening with it so at, at like terminus for example we have a marketing meeting that happens every thursday at four o'clock the goal of that meeting is specifically to go through these tiered accounts tier one tier two tier three we have a set of accounts in each one of them so we're not looking at inbound leads we're not looking at activities we're not looking at when is the next webinar coming up None of that stuff. That is all stuff that happens in another tactical meeting. This is a strategic meeting. In this meeting, the goal is to find out what is our penetration on the 100 accounts that are in tier one. Is it 10 accounts? And, and the penetration is defined by how much engagement we're getting in these accounts. Are only 10 accounts engaged of the 40 accounts that we want to go in tier one? Then we need to figure out how are we going to engage the other 30 accounts. So it's a very strategic conversation that happens. And that conversation is led by a marketer. A marketer needs to come in and like, for example, Peter on our side, he comes in and leaves with like, here are the accounts that we're going after folks that we all agree. Here is the, the way we have tiered them one, two, and three based on the importance and, and the value of these accounts that we can have. And here is where I'm seeing, I'm seeing that I'm, we are having low engagement on these accounts. So we, we need to change our tactics and something is not working here. So let's dig deep. And here are the accounts that are, or here's the strategy that's just working. And we're seeing some real value here. And here are the sales rep that are really crushing it, right? So now let's figure out how we can replicate this. So the marketer needs to come with a very clear plan as to what working and what not, but in the context of engagement and the context of accounts. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I really see that as an evolution of the demand gen um, world, which which itself has been an evolution of you know lead gen and, and other practices in the past, because what we're talking about here in my mind is you know the the reason we want to keep audiences engaged is not just to keep their attention, but is to ensure we're consistently educating them and um, you know pulling them into our message and nurturing them, maintaining mind share, but also helping them understand you know why they would be interested in what we do, and and to me that's you know the crux of of demand generation, right? It's really about creating the demand um, when somebody may not necessarily be already bought in. And, and so I think there's a, a really interesting you know, idea there of how the, the, that center of excellence around building and nurturing demand in your base needs to start thinking a lot more about engagement as, uh, as a metric. Now, it, to me, it also trickles down, of course, into the content team because you know, the way we're going to keep a lot of that engagement from a marketing perspective and educate these audiences is through great content yep. that both, of course, gets their attention, um, but more importantly, holds it and comes, you know, draws them back for more. Um, and, and I think that's the real, the real crux of it. And, and one of the real challenges I see is that a lot of content teams traditionally have been very, to your point, download and kind of activity centric, right? So how many people are downloading the white papers? Okay, let's do more of those. But the reality is I could get 10,000 people to download a white paper if I give it the right name and give it the right clickbait, right? right? But, but my question is, how do I get the right 200 people to actually read it? Or how do I get the right 300 people to watch this video all the way to the end and hear the message? So um, agree or disagree with that, and, and um, how does that influence or change the way we think about content as we go forward? Yeah, that, that's uh, really interesting. So I made like two points that I think they're like two different distinct things that we should talk about. One is agree 100% that there needs to be a content evolution there of like what does content mean and where, what content really matters. So I'll, I'll touch on that briefly in a second. And then the other part, which is very, very interesting is like, you know, if, if we are in a, if we are as sales and marketing organizations 
having the same number because sales and marketing efficiency is one number uh, for the organization and marketer is going to lose his job or her job if sales don't hit their number if it's that's that has to be like thousand percent clear when it's when it is then how do sales and marketing work together to make sure that they're constantly are like working on getting these gears moving in the right direction and are supporting each other so I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute as well so the first part I, I, I look at content as a three-tiered approach number one is thought leadership second is uh, kind of demand gen and third is pipeline velocity and the point the reason I kind of look at it that way is because the thought leadership is the why you got to go in and tell your cost like target audiences or the world like why do you care and why is it important for us that's very important and that's something that I think marketers are doing less of and, and I would love for that to be the, the really important part which is the storytelling around getting people excited about the why behind whatever it is that you're trying to sell. Get people excited about that. Then the demand gen really comes in to say that, hey, here's the why and if people believe in the why and if you get that people excited, then a demand gen thing is about like, operationalizing that why saying that hey you believe that this is important right everybody on the same page great well here's how you can do that and here's how we can help you do that right that's the demand gen goal in my view and the third part is like pipeline velocity or like product marketing part which is okay now that you understand the why now that we have content that helps people uh, operationalize the why it's like well how do you do it now and now let me show you specifically with product features and product uh, you know benefits that will drive more content so the content itself needs to really follow in my mind these three things and I see more and more organizations just completely missing one of these three levers and that's where I feel like they either have too much thought leadership but nothing that helps customers kind of navigate it or they have too much product centric con content that has no heart in it because there is no why yeah why part of it does that does that make sense yeah, it makes it makes total sense, and I think there's there's huge value there in how you. Um, I hope people took notes there of the just those those simple ideas of architecting it in those buckets, and and you can almost do an audit yourself of you know do I have the right content in each of these buckets. So I'm with you. Keep going. All right. So the 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 second part of your question really was like, well, what's the value in this, and how do we kind of see all this thing together? And I think it really comes down to the basic of sales and marketing alignment. And as cliche as that sound. I know that, in, and I have been fortunate enough to be part of the last two organizations where sales and marketing has been on one page. So at Pardot as well as at Terminus, it's it's like, all right, guys, we're marketing is not here for creating leads. We are here to drive revenue. Sales is like, yep, we all believe that. That's awesome. Well, how do we do that? We are in room like sales and marketing teams meet almost like three, five times a day. Like they are constantly lockstep trying to figure out what works, trying to help with different pitches, like in different people in the organization, all that stuff. So that level of engagement just creates that amazing relationship is when you close a deal, it's about high-fiving, right? The sales comes to the marketer, gives them a hug or vice versa, right? Not like, hey, I closed the deal. It's more like we closed the deal, right? We are working on these accounts and the marketers feels as excited about closing an account because it was one of the top tier accounts that they have been helping the sales engage so that kind of like creating that that those moments in the company where there's a hi-fi and you know chest bump and all those things really makes things you know makes everybody happy so i think that is very important that if without the alignment this whole thing is is really not going to work 
Yeah, it's um, it's. I, th- I think what what really stands out there is back to something you've talked about, you know, multiple times in this podcast, which is the importance of thinking about sales and marketing efficiency and effectiveness um, as a as a collective. And you know, I, I do think about this in our own world a lot as well because we have you know these really big top of funnel metrics, but what we really care about is pipeline and revenue, and that's ultimately what we're measured on. And you know, instead of increasing volume and keeping my conversion rates through the funnel the same, I would much rather improve my conversion rates through the funnel, um, you know, drive less leads and have more output because we're focusing on the kinds of activities that we all know are going to move the needle and are going to generate, um, you know, activity in the kinds of accounts that we know we can sell to. And, and there's such an efficiency play there and, and making sure that both teams are focused on activities that are, are finding the right people, are progressing the right deals. Um, so I think it is, it's, you know, these are, these are topics that I think every marketer needs to be thinking about, whether you're in content or demand or marketing leadership. Um, do you have any last uh, words of advice in terms of how people need to think about start putting these things into practice? Like what are maybe two or three tactical things that you've done in your own organization? You mentioned the weekly marketing meeting, um, but you know, what, what are some of the things that you've done to, to really walk the talk and make this a part of, of how your marketing and sales teams work? Sure. Um, I think one is like uh, own it. Um, I, I'm kind of listening to uh, somebody, um, uh, his name is Clay, he, he, you know, he speaks at uh, local events and things like that and he said, he, he's, he wrote a book, it's coming out, uh, I think in September, it's about like, you know, how do you lead when you're not in charge? And it's like, it's like how do you lead when you're not in charge? So when you think about that thing, it's like, hey, look, you're as a marketer, you might feel like you're not in charge of closing the deals. You might feel like you're not in charge of driving the business forward. Your job is to create content and blog articles. And if you think that, then you're missing out. Like you got to be able to lead and when you're not in charge and every person kind of owes it to themselves and to the organization they, they belong to, to lead when nobody's in charge. If you see that the sales and marketing alignment is not there, lead that. Uh, if you see that we are not working on the right accounts, lead that. If you see that the content is not created for moving people in the right places and we're focusing on one more than the other, lead that. I think nowhere any nowhere else I see more innovation than it is in marketing today. So we have the best opportunity to be successful. But I've seen people not taking the charge and waiting for somebody else, thinking it's somebody else's job. Uh, it's not. It's yours if you see it. I love that, Sangram. And it's, it's funny, that relates a lot to one of the core values that we look for when we hire someone here at Uberflip and we say we want people who are entrepreneurial. But we say, you know, we don't define being an entrepreneur as starting a business. It's simply owning what's in front of you. And as long as you own what's in front of you, things work better. So I think everything you're talking about there is how we approach this as a marketer is the exact same way. We own what's in front of us and and the company and our efforts will succeed. So some great messages there. We're going to tone away from the serious stuff, though, as we wrap up here in the last minute or so. And we always like to get to know our guests. And, you know, this is actually your second time on the podcast. So I had a kind of like really stretch away from some of my notes of things we asked you last time. And, you know, I'm going to go a little through your history to present and just kind of have some fun. So the first question I've got for you is, you know, you, you worked at Pardot. What is the most annoying way that people pronounce Pardot? Like, I'm, I'm sure you had to deal with the target target type of, you know, I, I struggled yeah. for a long time. So like, what was the one that just made you cringe? Oh, uh, this was great. This was like right after the acquisition, there was somebody announcing at Dreamforce, right? So we were acquired by Salesforce and we're at Dreamforce thinking that, yeah, now Salesforce is going to say 
our name in front of hundreds of thousands of people and somebody mispronounced it as pardo <laughs> like wow like this is this is like it's great you kind of like french like company but like right in the middle of the i don't remember who it was so, hey and then there's this pardo acquisition that salesforce did and we were like oh my goodness so basically you were acquired and rebranded on the exact same yeah. day that must have been fun yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so, so, so now you're at, you're, you're at Terminus and you, you know, I, I know you actually play on this, the idea of Terminus and Terminator. And I think you call a lot of your team members Terminators in some sense. So without telling us the story behind that, I, we got to know, like, what is your favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Oh man. Like I, I mean, dude, like where do I start? Like, I mean, I have seen like all of his like you know from the Rambo movies. Uh, I don't know if people they can go back that that back or Commando. Uh, I mean that is one of my favorite movies that he did. Um, obviously, like you know, he, I mean, he, I, I think I've seen more of his movies than any other uh, any other actor. Like, but I mean, I think one of the best comment or the best phrase that I still remember and we use at the company is really like, "I am back." Right, that's something that people use. Like whenever they, whenever a salesperson closes a deal and they feel good about it, and they were kind of in the lull for a little bit, they're like, "I am back," and, and we love that. <laughs> I'm going to slide in a little uh, kindergarten cop shout out. Yeah. Okay, carry on. Yeah, I, I was going to go True Lies. So we're we've all got some good ones there. It's amazing how many awesome movies he was in. All right, so the last question I've got for you is: I actually watched a video in in one of the footers, either from you of your email or someone recently, and you always seem to have a on in these videos so without explaining that let's just go with what is your favorite superhero like if you could be a superhero who would it be Ooh, that's a good one um and clearly superheroes is our theme so i should be i should have picked one by now um i i, I like like captain america i feel like it's kind of old school kind of getting your hands dirty and kind of doing the things and it's been there forever and and I feel like there's something to kind of getting your hands dirty, being raw at it, and just being like not having everything that Iron Man has, like, you know, everything shoots from every part of his body. I mean, that's cool. But I think Captain America is like, you know what? Let's get rusty. Let's get our hands <laughs> dirty and let's make the shit happen, right? That feel is what I get from it. I love it. I don't know if I've ever asked you that one, Tyler. Uh, no, you haven't, Randy. Uh, that's, uh, I'm happy you haven't. Thanks. <laughs> I was going to sign off on behalf of like Spider-Man and Captain America and whatnot on this podcast, but we'll, you know, we'll have to leave that, that wonder for people to tune in to the next time we all get together. This has been so much fun, Sangram. I, I think, I, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Content Pros podcast. I encourage everyone to learn from Sangram and his team at Terminus.com or also at Flip My Funnel. You search those, you're going to come with a ton of content to learn how to execute at a high level on your own. On behalf of Tyler at Vidyard, I'm Randy at Uberflip. This has been the Content Pros Podcast and please continue to give us feedback of what you want to hear. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com.